Hi, I'm Nicholas McGurr, author of The Afterlife and host for Stories in a Cemetery. You can find all my fiction works with themes of the afterlife on nicholasmcgurr.com. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-M-C-G-I-R-R.com. As a writer, I do research, and that research is more than likely inside a haunted location or a cemetery. Like you, I'm curious about the afterlife, and always looking for a new topic for my next book. I hope you enjoy this episode of my research as much as I did in using it for my fiction works. Let's get into today's story in the cemetery. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 17, and happy Friday the 13th. So, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get an episode out this week, but when I seen the date, I was like, there's no way that I can not release a Stories in a Cemetery episode on Friday the 13th. So if you're out there celebrating, watching some good scary movies uh, in December, by all means, go ahead and watch those scary movies and obviously catch an episode of Stories in a Cemetery. This week, we're going to discuss the Sorrel Weed House, uh, but first, a few housekeeping notes. Uh, merch is coming in January, so if you want to know when those pieces of merchandise are coming out, t-shirts, hats, patches, all that cool stuff, make sure you sign up for my newsletter on nicholasmcgurr.com, and I'm sure I will be announcing it from the rooftops and be sporting the new SITC shirts. Uh, remember, guys, you can leave comments on CastBox, reviews on Stitcher, or a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, or you can leave me a ghost story on Anchor, and who knows, I might just feature it here in the show. So if you're listening on any of those podcatchers, uh, I do ask you if you can leave a review or some comments for the show. Give me some support. You know, show me that you're actually enjoying the show and want me to continue with some of the research. Last but not least, last week I interviewed Brian McFarland, about our research on Byron Price's The Secret. We've decided that future episodes that will discuss The Secret um, are going to be bonus episodes on buymeacoffee.com. So buymeacoffee.com is a lot like Patreon. I just found that the term buy me a coffee was a little bit more fitting for my craft of writing and obviously podcasting because I need fuel and coffee serves me as that fuel. So for just a dollar a month, you can get those bonus episodes and you can support the show. And one of the reasons why we're doing that is because we found from your responses and the amount of listens that we got from that particular episode it was our fourth highest in count as far as downloads and listens out of all previous 16 episodes. So it is number four, the highest amount of listens for the episodes and such a short amount of time. So that was literally a week ago when I posted the episode about The Secret right here in Charleston. And you guys pretty much told me you want to hear more and you're curious about some of the research that we're doing. I can't promise that we will ever reveal any more tidbits of some of our research. We might. But at the same token, it's the secret treasure that's buried here in Charleston. That's a huge deal. And it's something that you know we kind of find as a, as a fun hobby to have at this point. And if you know anything about Brian McFarland, he's the owner of Charleston Cavalier Tours. And he is hosting uh, the Stories in the Cemetery uh, ghost hunting experiences right here in Charleston. So if you are ever in town or you're a local, um, I'd love to see you on a tour. And, and it's not really so much a tour as it is an experience. We do use some of my ghost hunting equipment. Actually, let's not lie. We use all of my ghost hunting equipment. And we go hunting for ghosts in some of the obscure locations that 
aren't always talked about throughout Charleston. Now, you can find some of those locations in my blog and on this podcast, but it's in downtown Charleston. So if you're listening and you're a regular listener, you know which locations I'm talking about. For those of you that are new to the show, go back a few episodes and check out, say, the Dock Street Theater. I know that that's a common one, but it is still, uh, I do still tell some of those stories while, you know, during the ghost hunting experience. And latest from the tour, the Pinckney Mansion site. So a lot of cool stuff there. And any of my tour guests will tell you that that is one of the most active sites that we visit uh, during their experience. So... All of that said, don't forget to go to buymeacoffee.com. There'll be a link in the show notes. And of course, if you head over to the website, there'll be links all over the blog post and all over my website for buymeacoffee.com slash Nicholas McGurr. So again, let's talk about stories at the Sorel Weed House. So if you are a longtime fan, you know that I went to Savannah, Georgia on a haunted retreat with my wife, April, and my dachshund, Byron back in March. Uh, If you go back to episode six of the podcast, you can hear where we stayed at the Foley House Inn and some of the hauntings and stories that we experienced there. Uh, But the main part of this trip was for the Sorrel Weed House. And we went there on one of their haunted house tours. Uh, Our tour guide, Graham, was amazing. He he has a, a great knack for telling these types of stories. So I commend you, Graham, if you're listening. Thanks. This, this is what led to the, to the podcast episode this week. But when we went to Savannah, the cool thing about Savannah is that it actually embraces their paranormal history and some of their hauntings. And, and they realize that guys like me, like we thrive on this stuff and they, they embrace it. They, they welcome people to come investigate, bring paranormal evidence to the table to bring about more history for Savannah. Savannah is absolutely gorgeous. We did, you know, do some shopping and sightseeing during the daytime. But at night, it's all about the ghost tours and and learning about the history and the paranormal activity that happens inside this gorgeous town. So that was a really cool thing. But the Sorrel Weed House, on the main picture for this podcast episode and on the blog, I simply put up the historical marker. It just explains the history. And there's so much activity that happens at this house like it's attracted some of the the ghost hunting shows like ghost hunters and ghost adventures where they've actually captured evidence as well so if you haven't caught those episodes i don't know what episodes they are uh, but i'm sure you can youtube or google it and find it not that i love sending you guys on google searches but it's one of those you i'm sure it's easy to find i know i was able to find them pretty easy and i do believe that they're on youtube somewhere the history on the historical marker just gives you a basic gist of the house i was born born it was made in 1840 uh, and was influenced by the french background of the original owner francis sorel however francis is part of the haunting story of this place but it's the story of his wife matilda and his slave mistress molly that makes the location really really interesting and of course just like in uh, duelers alley when i told that story i know that there's been thousands of duels that happened but everybody knows the one story and i'm sure there's more that's happened at the sorrel weed house as well because some of the stories that we heard and some about the hauntings and the paranormal activity some of it doesn't really match up or tie together as telling one particular story it's more of tidbits from other stories and some strange happenings that could bring other stories to light 
so to speak. Now, without a full investigation and looking further into the history of the house, this particular podcast today is all about the tour that I took with Graham and the paranormal activity that he told us about while on the tour, which was super cool. And of course, we found some evidence ourselves. So hopefully the Sorrel Weed House will welcome this evidence with the video that I posted on the blog. You can check that out, and I'm going to get to that here in just a few minutes. So the story basically goes that Matilda was looking for her husband because she just simply couldn't find him. It was a big house. There was a carriage house that you know had the slaves in it. Um, she just couldn't find where her husband was. So she went to the slave house to go find, ask you know her lead like head slave, Molly, if she knew where he was. And when she opened up Molly's bedroom, uh, Molly was the only slave, by the way, that had a bedroom. Everybody else slept in an open loft. But what she found when she opened the door to Molly's bedroom was her husband with Molly. So, of course, this is, does not end well. Matilda leaves the carriage house and goes back to the main house, and she starts arguing from a second-story balcony down to Francis, who is actually in the courtyard in between the carriage house and the main house, and she falls from the balcony down to her death. Now, of course, death with such a tragedy, tragic story like that is going to lead to some hauntings and other piece of paranormal activity. But the other thing that comes from this is that Molly uh, is said to have hung herself uh, in a suicide from her bedroom. Now, with today's kind of forensics, you know, even Graham told us if you look at the beams, they're eight foot in the, in the air. And what they know of Molly, she was only four foot eleven. And she didn't have any furniture that would actually help her get up to an eight foot beam that was in her bedroom, which is where she was found. What we also know from today's type of forensics and the history of, you know, our southern states is that hanging was also a way of sentencing somebody from a crime. We know that hangings were pretty common. They're even common here in Charleston in our history. Again, I don't really see as this as a form of suicide with, you know, Molly hanging herself in her bedroom from beams that were so high up that there's no way that she could have reached them. So it's very interesting to find this kind of story when we can actually kind of put some logic behind it and say, yeah, that's probably not how it went down. But today, Molly's death has remained a mystery, which is kind of cool in its own right, because it kind of leaves things open to interpretation, but it can also give us false positives on any kind of paranormal activity. Now, false positives could be, for example, the uh, TAPS team from Ghost Hunters. They actually captured an EVP that was in the carriage house of some screams that lasted for quite a few seconds. For those of you that actually know paranormal research, and you've done some yourself, you know that any kind of EVP isn't going to last for more than a second or two, let alone over a span of three to five seconds, and be any kind of screaming and yelling that is very audible and clear. So that that's kind of cool, but it also leaves things open to interpretation of, is it really Molly? Is it somebody else? We don't know. We will probably never know until we come up with a more scientific method to where we can interpret EVPs in a different fashion. So let's go to the, the main house for a second. And there's a couple things here that I want to talk about. There's a main room where they used to kind of meet their guests and, you know, just that style of home that, and, and the parties that would happen there. It's the same type of format. You know, you greet your guests in a, cert, a specific room, a certain room, and 
that's where everybody started off their party with a drink. In this room is this absolutely stunning fireplace. I don't know what kind of marble or rock or engravings are on this, but the mirror above it is something to be said too. And I'm not even sure, I, I listened in the recording twice. I don't believe Graham told us if the mirror was original to the home, but there's this, this gold mirror, giant mirror above this fireplace. It is said that, there, well, not even said, he showed us there was an apparition in the reflection of the mirror from one of the, the tourists going through the house that, that snapped a photo of the, of the mirror. There's somebody extra in the, in the background of the reflection. So there's one piece of evidence. And if you ever take this tour, I'm sure that you will, you know, see this. They actually pass around a tablet with these photographs so you can actually see them. Uh, super cool. I'm not doubting any of the evidence that was ever produced by these people. However, when we took photos and a small video of the mirror, we didn't get any kind of apparition. Of course, we all know you can't always recreate things, which is kind of valid when you're looking for good evidence. If something's recreated over and over again, it's obviously something that's influencing the paranormal activity in some way, shape, or form, something man-made. So, but an apparition in the background of a photo of a reflection of a mirror, I'm going to call that pretty valid. And it didn't look, as we kind of zoomed in on the picture, there was no photoshopping. You know, April took a look at it. It, it actually looked really legit. That room was beautiful. I, I can't even tell you. I did take like some panoramic shots just to get the, the, the full view of the room and kind of analyze each part of it. Um, as I was going through this evidence, we didn't find any specific evidence of any kind of apparitions or any kind of shadows or anything that was out of place. And I'd be really curious to know how much of the furniture that was in that room was original to the home. Uh, there was a couple of beautiful desks tucked away on different sides of the walls. It, it's just, it's a gorgeous home. So if you get the chance to visit, make sure you take the haunted tour and that's where you're going to get to see both sides. So from here, guys, we're actually going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to head into the basement of the Sorrel Weed House. And welcome back, guys. Thanks so much again for allowing me to put in sponsors for the show. It helps move things along for sure. Uh, so where were we? We were getting into the basement, which, of course, is going to be the creepiest part of the Sorrel Weed House as the basement of most places would be. If you know anything about Southern housing, there's not always basements. Here in South Carolina and Charleston and Myrtle Beach areas, like you're not going to find basements just because we're so close to the water. However, the basement at the Sorrel Weed House has quite quite a history of hauntings and paranormal activity. So let, let's jump right into it. I'm going to start with the floor. Back in the 1950s, according to Graham, the Sorrel Wheat House was purchased to be a dress shop, and they were renovating the place, and they ruined the black slate stone that was underneath it uh, with some cement. So when they removed that, they found to rebuild, they had to pull up the old black slate into the dirt ground and start renovating the ground and get it ready for a new flooring because uh, they didn't want like that slab cement to be in the basement. And if and if I'm wrong about that, I'm hoping Graham or somebody from this Rell Weed House will correct me. But what they found when they started digging were a bunch of 
artifacts and remnants from the Revolutionary War, which is super awesome. I'm sure some of that stuff has some paranormal activity attached to it, you know, in itself. Uh, they found some like, red cloth, some buttons, and they found the uh, a French cannonball uh, also, you know, buried into the ground there. But what they also found were enough bones to put together 12 different bodies. So, you're probably thinking, well, they probably removed those so that way they can continue with the renovations. However, when you're going through historical artifacts like this, there's a lot of money that gets involved when you need to verify something, especially something like human remains. Human remains need to go through the police and, and investigations and things like that so they ruled out that the bones were f not fresh. Well, they ruled out that the bones were fresh. So the bones were actually had some age to them. So it wasn't a recent crime of any sort. So really the police did not need to get involved. And instead of researching this even further and to save money for the renovations for this raw weed house to be toured and become an attraction, they simply put the bones back into the ground and then continued to lay the new floor which I find very interesting, the fact that when you're in that basement, you're walking on old bones, probably close to 200 years old. Well, not quite 200, but you get the gist of it. We'll say 150 to 175 years old. Regardless, there, there's some history that gets attached and some paranormal activity that could be attached to those bones, which is why so many of these next few things are happening in the basement alone. So the laundry room, now the basement is segmented. So if you haven't been in an old basement of an old house from the 1800s, you, you'll realize that it's, it, it comes in segments. It's just not an open, wide, open area. The laundry room in itself has a very heavy feeling to it. And I, and I bring that up, and I, I even mentioned this in the blog, that I don't normally put my attached emotions into any of my investigations just because... Sometimes what I'm feeling could be misconstrued that, you know, I'm only saying that or feeling that because I'm the investigator and I'm trying to hype things up. But what Graham told us later in the carriage house was that sometimes, well, most tours for him anyway, somebody usually feels disoriented or nauseated or is going to throw up or, or something of that nature to where they either leave the tour or they have to express what they're feeling at that particular point in time. I only bring this up, this was early in the tour, and my depth perception was way off. Like, things looked far away that really weren't, and the feeling of heaviness inside that laundry room, the way Graham explains it, people would come and go in and out of that room all the time to make sure all the laundry was done, and we're talking slaves. So, we're talking, he said, like, anywhere between, like, 10 to 12 slaves would be in and out of that room at any given point, and it almost feels like you're in somebody's way, when you're in that room. So with that heavy feeling, it just felt like a lot of energy to me. And my, like I said, my depth perception was really off. Um, I'll also tell you that in this particular room, April had to grab my arm because she did feel a little disoriented. And she told this to me, and I heard it on the audio when I replayed it, long before Graham was able to tell us that this happens to people on his tours, particularly in the carriage house. So April and I were both affected in the laundry room with its heaviness and the feeling of disorientation and my depth perception being off. 
Just one of those really weird feeling type rooms. They do claim to have a shadow man as well. Again, a lot of things happen inside this house, in the carriage house, that I don't see where things tie together. But there could be with the bones underneath the ground. You know, the story of Matilda and Molly and their deaths that happened there. All of these things could tie together somehow. But I haven't done the full research or a full investigation on site in order to try to piece all this together but their shadow man that they claim they see is, is pretty tall they said six to seven feet tall and he hangs out in a certain breezeway of the basement so much that they actually named it the shadow man breezeway uh, on my blog you'll actually see a picture they have one lonely chair that sits in this breezeway and when we took other pictures trying to find different shadows and things that didn't belong we didn't find anything specific, and nor do we have any ill will feelings. So what we felt in the laundry room, we didn't feel so much in the Shadow Man breezeway. However, it is very creepy. I won't tell you that, which kind of makes for some really cool pictures. But the only picture I posted was that of the Shadow Man's chair. The other claims that are down in the basement is that somebody will tug on your clothing. Um, if you have a chain wallet... Um, the chain will be pulled on, women's earrings, purse buckles, those kind of things. And I believe Graham even told us a story of one woman's purse actually was unbuckled in the middle of a tour, which would have blown my mind right there. But there was another tale, not on one of his tours, but a fellow tour guide, that a woman felt like a little brush up against her hair right next to her ear. And on the third brush, her earring actually came out of her ear floated in front of her, and then was thrown against the wall in front of all of the other guests in that tour. Granted, I don't have any visual evidence that this actually happened, but as a fellow tour guide, I can say if, if somebody's putting this out there, it, it's got to have some validity to it. So in the basement, April decided she's going to snap a few pictures. She's going to take a couple of videos. Byron was actually like... He couldn't lose his stare off the fireplace that was down there. And I did post a video because April took a video afterwards. And we've, we did catch an anomaly moving over the fireplace. Now, at first glance, it looks like that the camera lens may have like a speck of dust or, you know, fingerprint or something on it that might be this anomaly. But as you notice towards the end of the, I think it's a 15 second, 30 second video, you can see the anomaly move faster than the movement of the camera. Now, when we were down there, uh, kind of reviewing it, because that's why she was videotaping it, another guest came to us and said, we just captured three anomalies coming together over this same fireplace. Now, there's two. Later on, just a month or two ago, we actually ran into somebody that had also been to this raw weed house, and they asked us if we had caught anything on video and we told him about our video and he said I have the exact same video on my phone and was able to show it to us so that's three videos that we've physically seen on three different phones that show an anomaly in and around this fireplace in the basement so if you take a visit and you are there on a tour make sure you videotape the fireplace and you'll see what I'm talking about when you get there um, you will probably catch something that you cannot see with the naked eye, which was super cool. Now, we did have one picture where we thought we caught something completely out of out of the norm. 
we had a red light on the floor underneath a table. Now, when I started investigating further into the picture, it does look like some red light maybe from a brake light of a car or something from a window that may have been nearby. So I'm going to actually rule that out. So just to prove to you guys that I don't just make things up and post them up on my blog and podcast, you know, to, to gain followers. That's not what this is about. I will debunk things even on my, my ghost hunting tours. And my, my guests will tell you, I don't make things up. What we find is what we find. If we have new evidence, we have new evidence. If I've heard it before and it doesn't make sense, I will tell you I've heard this before and it doesn't make any sense. And therefore, I'll probably rule it out as, hey, this always happens in this one spot. Something must be influencing it. With all that being said, I wanted to find if there was any other videos or any other EVPs that were from this particular site. And I did find one video that was super interested. I did post it on the blog. It's from YouTube. And it just says Haunted Sorrel Weed House Ghost in Savannah. Make sure you check that out. It's If somebody's got any other type of opinion on this, I, I could see where this would be legit. Because if you listen to my Foley House episode, I actually happened to see somebody um, while I was walking by her in the next morning, the first morning that we were there. And it's a very similar type experience. Somebody comes out of one post and goes into another and you never see where they go. So check out the video. It's about two minutes, two and a half minutes long, but look around the two minute mark and let me know what you think. It's somebody that's uh, videotaping a walking ghost tour and kind of explains who Matilda is and what she would be wearing. And then you see somebody in the background on the porch of the Sorrel Weed House wearing almost the exact same thing. So, guys, take a look at that. It's super cool. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. And, of course, you can leave me comments on the Stories in a Cemetery Facebook page. And that would be awesome to hear and, and to share. I may even post the video there. Guys, that pretty much wraps up all of the paranormal activity that we heard about and that we experienced while we were at the Sorrel Weed House. I would love to go back and do a full investigation. And the cool thing about this is that the Sorrel Weed House staff, they actually have a webpage dedicated to the paranormal activity. So if you actually have evidence, you could submit it to them. They'll post it up on the website. Really cool. And they welcome paranormal investigations. You can rent the place out and do a full investigation. And, and just for you and your team or you and your bunch of friends, I believe they have their own equipment. Um, of course, I would want to bring my own as well. And I may just talk to them about that in case they contact me from this podcast and blog. Um, I would love to go back down and do a full investigation and hear a little bit more about how all of these pieces of evidence and activity actually tie together for one story. Again, I'm sure things have happened in this house, but you know I like to clue things together and see what makes this one story of how it all could be interacted together. Hopefully they catch wind of this. I may post it with tagging their Facebook page. But guys, let's wrap up this week. And again, I want you to have a great Friday the 13th. Hopefully this story added to your uh, spookiness and creepiness of whatever you're about to do for Friday the 13th. And don't forget, guys, if you would, look to, uh, would like to support the show, uh, head over to buymeacoffee.com. There'll be a link in the show notes. And don't forget that on buymeacoffee.com, future episodes, the bonus one-hour episodes of discussions on the Charleston Secret by Byron Price uh, will be on the Buy Me A Coffee site only. So they'll be exclusive to buymeacoffee.com. And don't forget, 
leave me some reviews. If you love the show and you want me to continue doing this, I need more people to listen. So you can always leave those reviews on CastBox, Stitcher, uh, Apple. Apple is obviously a five-star review. If you're going to leave anything, I would greatly appreciate that. Or you can tell me a ghost story right through Anchor, which is super awesome. If you send me a really cool voicemail about, hey, I got this great story to tell, you know, keep it under five minutes. Tell me the ghost story. I may post it. It'd be really cool to hear from some of you guys and to tell me in your own words what's actually happening in your neck of the woods. Um, And of course, on my website, you can do the exact same thing, and that signs you up for the newsletter. And I've read some stories from people in the past, but the voicemail thing I think would be a nice feature for the podcast. So if you've got a story to tell, you can remain anonymous. I'm totally fine with that. Just tell us a cool ghost story. We've all got one. I'm sure you have a good ghost story in you somewhere. And then, guys, that's pretty much it. I want you guys to have a great Friday the 13th, and I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks so much for listening to today's Story in a Cemetery. Be sure to check out the show notes with pictures and bonus audio sections on nicholasmcgird.com. As you know, I'm a writer, and now you have another story that inspires me to write my fiction works. Be sure to share this episode on your social media or leave me comments on the Stories in a Cemetery Facebook page. I'll see you next time with another Story in the Cemetery.